All right, well, it is uh, just a blessing again to be here, um, just a privilege, so humbling, a, an opportunity to speak to you all here today. Um, I don't think you guys uh, will ever completely comprehend how much it means to myself and my family, my wife in particular, um, just for us to be here. Uh, maybe after today's uh, lesson or sermon, I guess, it'll make a little bit more sense. Um, but uh, we are just so privileged and honored to be here and speak throughout the weekend, and especially here again um, during chapel. But I, I have, uh, I'd like to do three tricks. Is that okay? Really, that's why you're all here. <laughs> don't want to hear anybody speak. Okay. Um, so, uh, my family and I, we live full-time in our camper. We travel um, all over the uh, United States, and I like, uh, we, we homeschool our children, and I like to um, keep up with current events. Now, some in here might not know what these are. These are ancient manuscripts. They're also known as newspapers, okay? Newspapers. Okay, um, so I like to keep up with current events. I like to save some of these articles that are interesting. Um, let's see here. Um, I'll read a couple of these here to you. Here, this one here. Um, there's a gentleman here. Uh, Brother Bishop should should listen to this one. Maybe I'll pass it off when I go get my bus out of the bus garage. But there's a gentleman here who drinks brake fluid. He drinks brake fluid. I mean, can you imagine that? Somebody who's drinking brake fluid, um, you know, his doctors recommend he shouldn't be doing that. His wife told him that it was going to be harmful. Um, he says, don't worry about me. I can stop at any time. <laughs> you're catching on. You're catching on. Good, good. I am a father. These are some dad jokes. Let's see here. Let's see here. Um, oh, this one here. This one here. Um, so, men, men... Not asking for directions dates uh, as far back as biblical times. Otherwise, Moses wouldn't have had to wander that long in the wilderness. So there you go. That one, that's biblical. There we go. Um, all these pieces here. Wait a minute. This one. I don't know if that one really... This one. Okay. So, now, the, the world is getting pretty bad. Crime, pretty terrible. Pretty terrible. There we go. This one here. So there's a man out there who's stealing toilet seats. Can you imagine? Someone who's stealing toilet... Of all things to steal, toilet seats. Police have nothing to go on. All right. I'm glad you all got that. So, but anyway... At any rate, um, I keep all these little clippings, but what I really like is the full newspaper. Um, as you see here, we got the full newspaper we got here. And, um, oh. Well, I'm, I'm not really. Forgot one. Let's see, that fits in there pretty good, actually. Well, maybe, I'll tell you what, we'll try something here. Let's see if I can go, put that in there. I mean, it, it, it looks pretty good from the back, right? We just got this whole here that's kind of messed up here, maybe. Well, everything looks good back here, though? All right, hang on. There we go. Got it taped in, just like that. 
Now I got my full newspaper. I can take that home. Current events are good to go. So there we are. There's my, my newspaper trick. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, <clears throat> I think this is why everybody showed up right here. Did anyone hear about this and not see it yesterday? A couple? I know word was getting around. I need, I need a helper, a man helper. Were you here yesterday? Did you help at all yesterday? You didn't help for this one? Okay, we'll, we'll have you come on up here. Let's give him a hand for being uh, so brave. Come on up here. Come on up here. Uh, I'm going to try to stand in a position where everybody can see us. So we have... Uh, hmm? Sorry, I have those socks. You have these socks? All right. So you, you're part of the crazy sock phenomenon. That's, all right, wonderful. So we have, we have the dots here. We have the Jolly Ranchers. We got the York Peppermint Patty. Tootsie Roll, my favorite Reese's. We got the Twizzlers. We got the cotton candy to fluff stuff and charms. Didn't know they still made them. Now, what I need you to do, shuffle the socks. They are clean. They're fresh. I won't get that far, but <laughs> just shuffle them up. And what I want you to do, I want you to lay four socks on this side. One, two, three, four. I want you to lay four socks on this side in any order that you would like. Perfect. Now, he shuffled up those socks, put them on any arm he'd like, free choice. What I would like you to do is pick left or right. Left. Left. My left or your left? Your left. My left? Okay. We're going to get rid of my left. So, that leaves us with, over here, we have four socks. I want you to pick odd or even. Odd. Odd it is? Okay. So we'll start here. We have one, two, three, and four. So one and three we'll keep. We'll get rid of two and four. 50-50 chance. We have the dots. We have the Twizzlers. I'm counting on you. Left or right? Left. My left or your left? Your left. My left. left. Okay. So we'll get rid of my left. Now. I really, really, really thank you so much. Now, you see what happened here. He shuffled the socks. He laid them on the arms. He got to pick any arm, odds, evens, 50-50 chance. He ended up picking up my left. You know why I'm so thankful? I don't want to walk around with two different socks. Thank you, sir. As you walk down, give him a hand so I can put my sock on By the way, how beautiful are the feet of them that carry the gospel, I'm just saying. Don't judge me. All right, I need, um, I need one more helper, another male helper. Sir, you have good eyes. You have to have good eyes. All right. Now, I know this is, let's, uh, boy, that pulpit's right. That's all right. Now, this is, this is rather small. This is rather small, but I have a lesson to go along with this. He's going to be the eyes for everyone. You look like a trustworthy man, right? Sure. Yes, you do. All right. So I have two coins. I have two coins. I have a copper coin and a silver coin. Now, this is a U.S. half dollar. It's not 
full silver, but it looks silver. We're going to call it silver. This uh, copper coin is a Mexican centavo, okay? One's kind of dirty looking, one's kind of silver looking. Um, as you can see, the copper coin is just a hair smaller than that silver coin. Yes? Yes, sir. Okay, very good. Now, if, if I was a good illusionist, I could take that copper coin and just slide it behind there and say, ready, one, two, three, poof, it disappeared, vanished, gone forever, but you know it's just hiding behind. So can I have your hand out flat like this, please? I'm going to put both coins in your hand, close your hand, put both hands behind your back, that one as well. Now notice, my hands are completely empty, okay? There's nothing here, there's nothing here, nothing here, we know there's nothing up here, so... <laughs> I want you to put one coin in each hand. One coin, you can mix them up however you'd like. So we have a copper coin, we have a silver coin. Silver, you should be able to feel the difference. A little bit, little bit smaller there, okay? Now I, I do this trick when I'm out shopping or out in the mall parking lot, wherever I'm at, and I talk to people. So, you know, when you drive a big bus and you pull in to get your groceries, it kind of starts a conversation. And then they might see the top hat on the side of our bus, and I tell them what we do. And I do this trick, and I explain to them how when we accept Jesus Christ, we become like him. We become like him. So let's have both hands out, closed fists like this. Okay, now, I'm going to bet. Now, I know we don't gamble. We don't want to waste God's money. We're supposed to be good stewards of that. But we're not going to bet my money or your money. We're going to bet Brother Armacost's money, okay? <laughs> Everything that he's got, okay? I can tell... Which hand has the silver coin, okay? Now, I'll also explain why we should not gamble. Why we should not gamble, because the house always wins. This hand here has a silver coin. Go ahead and open it up, just like that. That's pretty good, right? Now, here's why the house always wins. Open the other hand. Inspect it closely. Look at it. Look at both coins. Tell the audience, tell everyone here, what is, what, what's with the coins? They're both silver. They're both silver now. All right, I can take them. You can have a seat. Thank you, sir, for your help. Now, both silver. Why is that important? You see, the silver coin represented Jesus Christ. The moment we accept Jesus Christ, we become like him, changed forever. This coin can never go back and never change to another copper coin. It is like this forever, forever. And the lesson is to Christians, to those who have accepted Christ, is, is this how you look to the world? Is this how, yes, we all look good in here. We all look good on, on, on a church Sunday. We look our best. But throughout the week, how exactly do we look? Do we represent Christ all the time? Just a little, little lesson there for you. Um, but uh, if we have time, you guys can gladly check out those coins. If you don't believe me, and evidently he's not very trustworthy, so um, you might want to check with him. All right. Make sure my phone's on silent. Let's open our uh, Bibles for our lesson today. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. For those of you who were not here um, Saturday, I didn't get a chance to get into too many details about um, our testimony. I gave you the short and skinny. No one has taken me out for coffee yet to give you the rest of it. So um, that's all right, I guess. I won't hold that against you. But um, my wife and I, we were uh, born and raised in a Catholic home. We were not raised in a Christian home. We did not have an opportunity to come to a Bible-believing church when we were young. Um, we, went, we met each other in high school, uh, senior year in high school. She is my high school sweetheart and love at first sight, bliss and so on. It's been lovely. And, um, but um, we got together then. We did not get married until years after high school. Um, but drugs, alcohol, the rock and roll lifestyle, um, 
just to kind of give you where I come from, uh, one of our friends uh, committed suicide at the age of 16, one overdose at the age of 19, 21, I believe it was, and uh, the last one that I remember, um, overdose at the age of 27. I've had a couple friends in and out of prison. So that's the, the lifestyle that um, I had mainly lived, my wife a little bit, but by God's grace, he saved us, saved us, and we're here today to talk to you and present the gospel to the lost, and God's given us a wonderful ministry, um, doing fun things, doing the things that we love, and doing it all over, and just teaching and preaching Christ. It's such a blessing, such a blessing. Um, February 2008, yeah, February 2018 is the, was the official start of our ministry, but we didn't go into full-time evangelism until January of 2021, and um, we left not knowing anybody not knowing anything other than we're going to go preach. We had no meeting set up. We had nothing at all. We had sold our home, moved into our camper, and we left, headed south. It was cold. We're out of uh, central Pennsylvania. That's where our sending church is, our home church. And in the first 12 months of full-time evangelism, we've had nine breakdowns or some sort of breakdowns. One, our, our house, our camper, um, sat down in South Georgia for about five to six months. Um, we traveled without it. We had to get a temporary camper. Um, the most recent major one was when we bent the tongue of our camper. That's the thing that hitches up to you know, the truck or the, the bus. That tongue bent completely up. thought I totaled it. Um, our bus broke down. was in a shop for six weeks. And we had to get a new bus, praise God. Ten churches and some families uh, got together, $32,000 in a week and a half, and bought us a bus out of Texas. Um, so that's why on the back of our bus, you'll see a bunch of churches' names that helped provide that bus for us. It was all God. With all the many breakdowns, with all the trials, with all the trouble, I've been asked, I've actually been, been told by somebody, maybe you missed the calling. Maybe you missed the mark. Maybe you're doing something God's not want you to do. Um, I would almost agree to that, except at this moment we have meetings booked out as far as 2026. And all I did was mail out one mailing with a letter of recommendation to my, from my pastor, who if I were to mention his name, nobody would know. He's not like a big name pastor that anybody would know. So I know it's only God who has been setting up these meetings and moving, on, moving us on. So, I told that person, well, I guess if God really wants me to stop, he'll really want us to stop. But he hasn't yet. No matter how high, how high the, ga- the fuel prices and the gas prices get, we're going to continue to move on. And unless the wheels fall off and we run out of diesel and out of money, that's when we stop. When we're, wherever we stop, I guess that's where we preach. I'm not sure. But... Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. This is my life verse. This is my life verse. I, I noticed it down here on the, uh, the, like the timeline, the history wall there. Um, actually, I know uh, one of the, uh, the gentlemen all the way in the 1977-79. Um, my pastor that I got saved under uh, was one of the first graduating uh, classes here. Anyway, um, and I saw that. Uh, I saw this verse up above there. And then I thought, well, this is what I'm going to preach. Because after I got saved, there was a church split. We were in church for seven years. 
Seven years after salvation, I believe. You can check all this with the fact checker, my wife. But seven years after we got saved, there was a church split. And without getting into all the details, because I want to get through this message, I got mad at Christians. I got mad at Christianity. I become an alcoholic from morning to night. All I did was wake up and I wanted to drink. I did drink. I, anyway, I didn't get unsaved. It's not like I wasn't saved before. I had quenched the spirit so much. I worked seven days a week. I just said, fooey on Christianity. If this is what happens when there's trouble in a church and everybody goes like this and runs away, why are we really here? So I got mad about that. And for almost two years, for almost two years, um, the devil had his hand on my family. He had his hand on my home. And it wasn't, you know, they say uh, sometimes it's not until you hit rock bottom when you go back up. And it's at that time when I realized I was about to lose everything. I had a nice home, a car, uh, one car garage, some goldfish and a little pond, you know, a little house out in the country. We had everything. It was peaceful and I was about to lose it all because of what I was doing and the sin and the way the devil crept in because of my bitterness. And I had a Romans 12, 1 and 2 moment. All the lies and everything that was going on in my life finally caught up. And I had to give everything over to the Lord. I was living my life for me. I was saved. But I wasn't doing anything for God, really. And then this verse also stuck in my heart. And it's been with me ever since. I just want to read this verse. And we'll continue to move on a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I want to pray, and I just want to tell you what my life verse means to me and how it keeps me going, because I'm afraid, just talking to my pastor and, and some of his um, fellow uh, students when he was back in college and uh, back in high school. He grew up in a Christian home. He went to Bible college and so on. He didn't come here, so don't judge him. But, um, you know, some of his fellow classmates and things, they're not in church anymore. They're not serving anymore. And, and I just want to tell you what this means to me and why this verse kept me going forward in all the trials, all the troubles. It didn't matter what people are doing around me. I look at this verse and I continue to move forwards. Let's pray and we'll jump right into this. Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for, Lord, you know what this means to me to preach today here and uh, just the honor, the privilege it is to bring the word across. Dear God, you know what this verse means to me and in my heart and how it has uh, helped me in the many trials, the tribulations, Lord, uh, uh, the breakdowns and so on. Dear God, I pray that I can bring this uh, what, what, bring my heart out here to these young people. So down the road, Lord, if there's something that they're struggling with, they can come back to this verse. God, I ask you to let the Holy Spirit move and convict our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. So when everything caught up to me, when everything was catching up and I finally, you know what? I'm going to lose everything. God gave me everything. I need to give everything to Him. Um, real quick, go over to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. <clears throat> Galatians 2 and verse 20. <clears throat> um, how selfish it is for us to live a life for ourselves. <clears throat> Do we realize that every morning we wake up, God gives us breath? Every morning we wake up, we can see if you all can see in here, 
You talk to a person who's almost blind or near blind, that's a hard life. How amazing it is that God has mercy on us. How amazing it is. He gives us absolutely everything we have. Galatians 2 and verse 20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The event that happened in my life where I almost lost everything, would have lost my wife and my children, and I would have deserved it by all means because of the things that I was doing. <clears throat> I had to remember, that I went, found this verse. Found this verse and, and, and I got to give it all for Christ. Got to give it all for Christ. Go back to 1 Corinthians. I'm going to give you three points tonight, They're real, or this morning. It's real simple, real easy. As you turn in there, another verse that touched my heart in that time is John 3 and verse 30. He must increase, I must decrease. Completely and totally giving our lives over to Christ, no matter what happens. No matter who goes where, no matter what color they change in the carpet. At church, you know, I've heard that, you know, boy, they didn't vote on that color in the carpet. And there was a church split and all goofy things. No matter who says what in the church, you keep your eye on Christ. It's not really going to matter any. Doctrinally, obviously, if there's something wrong, then that's different. But be ye steadfast, it says... 1 Corinthians 58. That word steadfast means, this is, oh, that's our first point, by the way. Steadfast. It's not going to be a very deep sermon. It's not going to be a very deep lesson. Be steadfast. That word steadfast is fast fixed, firm, firmly fixed, or established. Constant, firm, resolute, not fickle or waving. Paul's here telling these believers, be steadfast. Be steadfast. Young people, be steadfast in your doctrine. Be steadfast in your doctrine. And, and I think, I think um, everyone here can understand what I say. This doctrine. Not man-made doctrine. Not, you know, because Brother Steve DeSantis said doctrine. Okay? There's a lot of doctrine that's, that's, that's said that's man-made doctrine that's not Bible doctrine. Please understand what I'm saying. If my doctrine, if I would have been steadfast in my doctrine when that church split... Probably wouldn't have had things went back and been bitter. But I was not steadfast in my doctrine. I was following a man. No fault of his. It was my fault. But I had my eyes on people. I didn't have my eyes in, in the book. I wasn't focused here. I wasn't steadfast in the doctrines. I should have been steadfast in the doctrines. Um, go over to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14. <clears throat> Ephesians 4 and verse 14 through 15, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him all things, which is the head, even Christ. If we look out into churches across the nation, I have to be very careful where I go. I'm sent out from a local independent fundamental Baptist church, a King James only believing church. I have to be very careful go where I go, different churches. We only go to churches that line up doctrinally with us. We're not ecumenical. We don't shake hands with just anybody. Churches all across the nation are, well, this, this looks like a pretty good doctrine. We can take that one. 
well, the people really don't like this doctrine here. They don't like this when we talk about this. So we're going to get rid of that. You know, just, just get rid of that one and, and, and it's okay. We want the world to come in. Now, yes, we want the world to come in. But we don't need to change the Bible. We don't need to change the doctrines to have the world come in. A friend of mine in Ohio, he uh, preached a message. I did not get to see it, but I heard about it. He preached a message where he was tearing pages out of the Bible. Don't be alarmed. It was NIV. So that's okay. But he was tearing pages out of the Bible and saying, well, we don't need that. I, I don't like that one. That affects me. I'm going to get rid of that one too. And that's what, that's what we're doing across the nation. Churches, yes, even independent fundamental Baptist churches are wavering on their doctrine. Young people, no matter what happens, no matter what direction the church goes, be steadfast in your doctrine. Don't move from your doctrine. That doctrine should be found here in the King James Bible. Do not move from that doctrine. Um, children are so easily taught how to play an instrument, how to learn a skill at such a young age. When you get old like myself, I, I don't play instruments. That's why I, I have my children do that. Uh, they say, you know, you can't teach a, a dog old tricks, but some people can, I guess. But when we're young, when we're baby Christians, it's easy to be taught. We're moldable. We can be easily conformed to God's Word. But as we grow old sometimes, well, I've been saved for 10 years. Excuse me, I've been saved for 20 years. You know, I know everything. And, and uh, you've got to be careful. We should be steadfast in our doctrine, but we should always be learning in God's Word. Always learning in God's Word. Um, and and, and when, when things come across, and it's like, well, I don't... I don't remember seeing that anywhere. I don't, I don't see that doctrine. I don't see that belief in God's word. Can you show me that? Why do you do that in your church? We need to be steadfast in our doctrine. Like I said, when that church split, if I'd have been where I should have been, bitterness would have never crept in, I believe. But we live in a world where things are disposable, aren't they? Everything's disposable. You can go to Harbor Freight and buy yourself a set of tools for the weekend and dispose of them on Monday. Christianity, churches, unfortunately, are becoming disposable because people aren't steadfast in their doctrine. Young people, if that's the only thing you get from your message today, be steadfast in the doctrines in the Bible. The second thing it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, is unmovable. Unmovable. Be steadfast. Unmovable. That word unmovable, that's our second point today, by the way. That cannot be moved or shaken is uh, firm and fixed. Similar to steadfast, but I look at it this way. This is what helped me. Unmovable. Nine times, like I said, nine times we've had breakdowns or some sort of a breakdown in the first 12 months of uh, full-time evangelism. Um, I kind of I think of Joseph in the Old Testament. If anyone would have, you know... If we would have gave a little grace for throwing in the towel, don't you think it would have been Joseph? All the ups and downs that he had in life? Why didn't we give up? Why didn't we give up? The devil... Now, I don't want to scare anybody away. Nobody told me this until after we were already in uh, evangelism. And, and we're geared more toward the youth. When you get into a ministry trying to seek the youth, the devil fights twice as hard. I don't want to pop your bubble, and I don't want to scare you away from a ministry, but he does. He does. 
So why didn't we give up? Why didn't we throw in the towel? Obviously, the devil was fighting us. We were seeing souls saved. We got to do 12 VBSs this year, somewhere around 100 or so plus saved this year by uh, you know, uh, professions of faith. I'm not a numbers guy by any means, but we, we've seen the Lord work. Why not just give up? I take my family out of their home, sell our home. We're in a camper, broke down alongside of the road. You ever been in Virginia in the middle of July when there's no air conditioning and it's hot? Ticks all over the place. It's not fun. 95 is not a fun highway. What keeps us moving? We're unmovable. We don't move when the devil attacks us. Why? In the trials, in the trials, and the Bible is full of examples. In the trials, young people, you get to see God's hand the most. You get to see God's hand the most. Sometimes I believe we give up. We throw in the towel. I can't take it anymore. I'm done. That's it. We just, who knows how close you are before you got to see God's hand. How close? Real quick example. Um, about the time when our tongue on our camper bent completely up. Again, it's the A-frame part of the camper. That's the part that hitches onto the truck. That thing bent completely up. So it kind of looked like going, you know, the bus was this way, nice and flat, and the camper was pulling like this going down the road. I never noticed it because the bus is so big and just kind of kept on going. We hit a big dip in the road. We pulled into a church in South Georgia. We were pulled in on a Monday. I was supposed to be in Florida by Friday or Thursday. We just stopped in for three days. I was getting a big old bumper on the front of my bus so I could plow over deer and any Antifa people. But um, (laughs) um, when that happened, I thought, oh, man, I just totaled the bus. What are we going to do? Now, nobody, uh, the assistant pastor of the church knew we were pulling in, but that was it. But people started pulling into the church, friends of mine in South Georgia, And God surrounded us with people that loved us. So they were asking, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't don't really know. Um, I guess we're going to clean out the bus. We're going to get rid of the bicycles that we keep in there. Again, we live on the road, so we have everything. We're going to get the bicycles out. We're going to get the golf club. And you know it's serious when I get the golf clubs out. (laughs) And if I'm leaving the golf clubs behind, you know I'm devoted. So, but we're going to get all that out of the bus. I'm going to make room. We're going to put, you know totes in there, we'll get all our clothes, because all we really need to move on is our clothes, our props, and each other. Obviously, the Lord's there, so we'll leave the house behind. We had somebody to watch our little dog, and we'll just move on. That was Monday night. My wife and I had made that decision, sitting there in, in bed in our bent camper. And the next morning, I called the pastor down in Florida, and I said, hey, brother, I said, do you have a place for us to stay? The camper's out of commission. We're just going to move on. We'll make the meeting, but I need somewhere to stay. And he says, I don't have any place to stay. I have some snowbirds that might be traveling back north. He said, maybe uh, we can get you in a condo or in one of their campers. He's like, I really don't have any other place for you to stay. But he said, my brother-in-law, he has a custom welding shop, and he builds trailers. Okay. He said, and I believe he's going to Jacksonville, Florida tomorrow, which is two hours away from where we were at in Valdosta, Georgia. Coincidence? I don't think so. I really don't believe in coincidences. I believe in the Lord. Maybe a big coincidence, but I believe in a big Lord and a big God. So the very next day, Crockett Turner, Florida is filled with rednecks, but... 
He came up, I praise the Lord for Crockett Turner, him and his buddy, within two to three hours welded. They cut, welded, and got us all ready, and we left on Thursday or Friday without a hitch, like nothing ever happened. Made our meeting <laughs> down to Florida. It was a wonderful thing, and he said, hey, pull it in on Wednesday or Saturday the next day, um, and we'll, they plated the whole thing. Now, you know, in 20 years when the campers, you know, rotten and fall apart, I picture we'll be driving down the road with just that A-frame because of how heavy-duty that A-frame is. Time and time again, I can, I, can, I can say we broke down in Virginia. We broke down in Virginia. We didn't have our camper, but we had everything we owned in our bus because we were going to pick up our broken camper in Georgia. This was another breakdown, multiple breakdowns. What are we going to do? I don't know what we're going to do. My wife says, we just passed a sign that says Henrico, Virginia. We have a VBS schedule there with Pastor Steve Boots, who's a graduate from here. And I said, well, praise the Lord. I didn't see that. I was concentrating on the bus stopping in the middle of I-95. <laughs> well, Steve Boots was in Chicago, but Brian Boots was there. He brought the bus, or he brought the church van, took care of us for a week. Praise God. Time and time again, when we stuck it out, when we determined to be unmovable in the trial, we were unmovable in those trials. We said, no, devil, doesn't really matter what happens. We're going to continue to serve God. He put us here for a purpose. We're going to continue to move forward. It doesn't matter what you do to us. Look, I serve a big God. What's the worst thing that could happen? Like Paul said, give me death. Really, is that, is that the best you got? If I die, guess what? I'm in the presence of the Lord. How bad can it really get? Young people, there's going to come trials. Life is not all peaches except for my marriage. Other than my life, brownie points, man, okay? Life, life is not all peaches of cream the moment you accept Christ. Some people think that the moment you get saved, that's the end. No, that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. That's when the devil really starts fighting. Yeah, he, he wants to keep you his child and, and pull you down to hell. But if you've accepted Christ, he lost that battle. He's going he's gonna to keep fighting. But be unmovable in those trials. Don't move from it, and you're going to see God's hand somehow, some way. And if you don't, I think you weren't looking. All right. So, moving right along. Be steadfast in your doctrine. Be unmovable in your trials. Be unmovable in your trials. And the last one, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. That word abounding is having in great plenty, being in great plenty, being very uh, prevalent, uh, generally prevailing, or to increase. Or to increase. Um, we might look at that, uh, that, that uh, last part of that verse and say, well, uh, you know, I'm doing a work for the Lord. Uh, you know, I'm working for God. You know, I'm, I'm doing good. And that's a wonderful thing. And I praise the Lord for that. But always abounding is to constantly do more. To constantly do more. There's a balance. Now, I know, um, you know we have a lot of young single folks in here. There's a balance between family and ministry. I'll say that first. There's a balance between family and ministry. I'll say that first. But we need to be continually growing in our work for the Lord. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Don't just get into a ministry and stop and this is my ministry. This is all I'm going to do. Continually grow. We have the illusion ministry. And praise God, he's put something else on my heart. We're going to try it out this, this winter. Um, pray for the two churches because they're my guinea pigs. But um, 
They're, they're a, a senior saint type of church, if you will. 80% of the church is 70 plus in age. They can't get out and knock doors. They, they can't do that. They need, they got prayer warriors, praise God, but they cannot get out and knock on doors. They have no footmen soldiers. So my family's going to park for a month at the churches and we're going to go hand out uh, tracts. We're going to knock on doors, put door hangers, do follow-ups, discipleship, whatever we can to help bring in the youth in the church. That's another ministry of ours that we're starting this year. Pray for us about that, by the way. And those two churches, like I said, they're our, they're our guinea pigs. We're going to try it out. But always abounding in the work of the Lord. Um, I, I like to illustrate a lot of things, if you haven't noticed. Um, first off, before I go too far, <clears throat> I have about two minutes and I'm going to stop. Remember, Romans 12, 1 and 2, it's our reasonable service. It's our reasonable, serv- our reasonable service to give our life to Him. That's just reasonable. Why? Because he gave his life to us. Reasonable service. Um, when you start a job, look at, it, look, look, look at it like this. When you start a job, you get minimum wage, a little bit, who knows. They start you off really low, but you do minimal amount of tasks. Okay? The, the longer you're there at this job, then the more tasks they give you, and they should pay you more. If not, go find another job. Okay? God's work is the same way. God's work is the same way. Uh, I'm not sure why we, we, you know, we, we don't comprehend that all the time. Um, when you do a ministry, God blesses you. When you do more ministries, guess what? He doesn't just say, well, yeah, good job, keep going. No. He blesses you more. I understand we might not see the blessings until we get to heaven, but always abounding in the work. Of, and I don't do it just because of the blessings. Do it because the Bible says so. But God will bless your efforts. The more you do for God, the more rewarding His work is, the more blessings you get. It's a wonderful thing. It just keeps snowballing and snowballing and snowballing. Well, Brother Steve, why, why, why? Why do you continue to move forward? I just told you why, but I, let, let's go. If, if you're there, praise God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, let's look at verse 51. This is the why, and, and I'm going to close with these few verses. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Why do we do what we do? Why should we do what we do? Even Paul said that the things I want to do, I don't. The things I don't want to do, I do. But this is what we should do, and here's the why. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this incorruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal um, shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is uh, the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Right there. That's why. We don't have very long on this earth. You might think, well, hey, I'm, you know, I don't know how old everybody is. The youngest person in here is my son, Dominic. So I might be 12 years old. Are you 12? 11. However old he is. Well, when you get my age, you just remember your wife's birthday and your anniversary, okay? But anyway, from Dominic all the way up to the oldest person in here, we won't point that person out. We might think we have, look, we got time. We don't have time. We're only here for a short amount of time, a very short amount of time. One of my friends was only here for 16 years, passed away. A friend of mine back home just lost his son at five years old. 
We do not have long. How long do we think we have to do God's work? And why not? Because in verse 57, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God gave us His Son so we could live. The least we could do is do a work for Him. No matter what comes our way, be steadfast in the doctrines, be unmovable in those trials, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. I want to pray, and then I'll turn it over to Brother Amarkost. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the time that you've given me, Lord. I thank you for this verse and this Bible, Lord. I thank you for this church, this school, the college, dear God. I know it has a special place in my heart, the people that have come from it, Lord, the graduates, the pastors that have given me a chance, Lord, to stand behind their pulpits and preach. Dear God, I pray for all the young people and olders as well in, in this uh, room today, Lord, that we don't waver at all or fickle from any doctrines, Lord, that come our way. We continue to stand strong, especially unmovable, Lord, when things in the church or things uh, where the devil wants to get us down, dear God, and just let us be unmovable. And Lord, let us always continue to look for a work to be abounding for you, dear God. I thank you, Lord, again. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen.